0: Sandra and I were worshiping with the faithful congregation in Tupelo about a month ago, and the class at 9.30 was in chapter 3. And it just caused me to think again that, you know, we really hadn't talked about this in a a while here that I can at least recall. So I thought it might be a good idea just to to look at these things. So let's just read Genesis chapter 3. And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow with your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. From dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. <coughs> Therefore the Lord God sent, the, sent him out of the garden of Eden, to till the ground from which he was taken. So we drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east end of the garden, and a flaming sword which turned every way, to guard the way to the tree of life. So I want us to look at Adam and Eve and sin. I mean, that's the major reason we ever look at this story is because of that first great sin. Nothing's changed in all this time since then. Nothing has changed. If you look at the real start of it in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree uh, of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God gave him a command. And the commandment was for their benefit, wasn't it? You can eat all the trees except one, the tree in the center. If you eat of it, you'll, you'll die. So it's for their benefit not to eat of that tree, isn't it? Really, it is. But let's talk about the temptation for just a couple minutes. So here we, here we have a serpent who is more cunning than any beast of the field. And he's talking to the woman And he says, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Did he really say that? The woman said, well, we can eat of every tree of the garden. But of the tree in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, she says. Lest you die. And so the serpent serpent says, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of the fruit, your eyes will be open, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So what's he done? What has the serpent done? He's sown the seed of doubt, hasn't he? Now, all of a sudden, there's this question in her eye, in her mind. Verses six and seven, she looks at the tree and it's good for food. It's pleasant to the eyes. Desirable to make one wise. And so she took of it. And she ate. And she gave it to her husband. And he ate as well. In verse 7. The eyes of them both were opened. And they saw that they were naked. They knew something they didn't know before. And then we have the discovery of. Where God's walking in the in the garden in the cool of the day and where are you? Where are you, Adam? Where, where's the man? The man says, I heard your voice. We hid because we were naked. Who told you you were naked? Did you eat of that tree which I commanded you not to? Yeah, they did. He knew. Then we have the excuse making. The woman you gave me gave it to me and I ate. Woman, what have you done? Well, the serpent gave it to me and I, or tempt, deceived me and I ate. Yeah, deceived me and I ate. And so after that, then we have the sentence. Ultimately, we know who's. The serpent is. We, we know. His head will be crushed or bruised. Woman's going to have pain in and childbearing. She'll be subject to her husband. He shall rule over you. And the man. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to work harder. The ground's not going to give like it did before. Thorns and thistles will be uh, come springing up. And so. Work's going to be—you'll eat by the sweat of your brow. Then to dust you're going to return; you're going to die. And so, so that they wouldn't go back to eat in the garden, eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he gave them a cherubim at the at the east end of the garden and a flaming sword to keep to keep them out from eating of it and living forever. So that's the story. There's a couple things I want us to look at and one particular thing I want us to just hang around for a little while and talk about. As I mentioned a while ago, the problem is not the commandment. The problem is something else than the commandment. And those that would listen to the serpent, in John chapter 8 and verse 44, It says, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resource, for he is a liar and the father of it. He does not, the the devil, does not stand in the truth. There is no truth in him. And when he says something, he's a liar because he's a liar and the father of it. There is nothing truthful about him, apparently. And we see that every day. And when we give in to that temptation, our desires, we have the desires of the father. And that's what we want to do because he's made something sound so much better than it is, whether it's us talking and, and talking about something and or, or seeing an ad on, on TV or listening to the radio and, say, and it makes it better than what it really is and that's Satan's work. That's his handiwork and he's very good at it. So, he doesn't stand in the truth. There is no truth in him and it's always a lie if it comes from him. It's always a lie. And so thinking about that, And thinking about In the middle of a thought In Titus chapter 1 verse 2 In hope of eternal uh, life Which God who cannot lie Promised before time began Let's see now Let's look at this There's one who is a liar And the father of it There is no truth in him And he does not stand in the truth And we have one who cannot lie Who cannot lie He promised something before time began. What he promises? Eternal life. Eternal life. Promised before time began and he cannot lie. If we'll do what he says and not do what Satan says, then we're, and and obey him, we're guaranteed. Promised eternal life. But our problem is, we like the desires of our father, the devil, if you will. The world likes that. That appeal is transported to us because everybody wants you to share. And, oh, this was great, whatever it was. But we have to remember, there's no truth in him. There's no truth. Ever. Ever. God demonstrates in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. And while, the, and while, we, were in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God shows us he loves us. Did Satan ever show us that he loves us? Did he ever? No. But God does. How did he show us he loves us? By Christ dying for us. Remember that promise? That eternal life he promised before time began? He demonstrates that he wants to have us by Christ dying for us. Satan never demonstrated anything good for us, anything beneficial for us. Nothing at all did he ever guarantee us or promise us. He promised us a lie because he's the father of it. So, then in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. His aim, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, his aim is to deceive the whole world. He does a good job of it. Does a good job of it every day, all day, all the time, because the world has his—he he has the world's ear, because what he's selling, what he's giving away, makes it very appealing. But when I look at, when I look at God in Deuteronomy six twenty-four—a verse that I've mentioned to you that I keep coming back to over and over. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. I look at one who deceives the whole world. And then I look at the other who gives commands and statutes for our good always, that he might preserve us, that we might actually live with him and be blessed eternally for all of eternity. He does it for our good. Remember the the command in the garden in Genesis 2, verse uh, 15 through 17? Don't eat of that tree. Don't eat of that tree. You'll die. It's for our good. Not to eat of the tree. But Satan deceived him. Men. Women. Deceives us. Deceives everybody. But God's commands are for our good. That he can preserve us. Now. He deceived the whole world. He tried his best to deceive Christ. He tempted him. Multiple occasions. 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. We have some of those recorded. But Christ didn't give in. So who are we going to listen to? Who will we listen to? To whom will we listen, to be grammatically correct? We're going to listen to the one that deceives the whole world or the one that gives us a law to go by for our good always. (coughs) So Adam and Eve then clearly knew the limit, didn't they? They knew what they could do. You could do eat of every tree in the garden except just this one. Don't eat that. They knew the limit. And so do we. We know what's acceptable to God. We do. But what happens? It's like always... The word is altered, the word, God's word is altered, it's added to, it's taken from, happens all the time. And then we are back in this cycle of we're serving Satan instead of serving God when we give in to his appeal through these things right here in First John two verses 15 through 17. It talks about the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. That's what the world's made of. But its end leads us to death. So the serpent altered the word. Eve added to the word. Not to touch the tree. That wasn't in the command in Genesis 2. And then the word was taken from. You will not surely die interesting that when God says in verse 17, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The shall surely I thought was kind of interesting in the Strong's um, word. Uh, the number is H4191. And for surely H4191, you shall, shall die. Or you surely Surely, die. Double emphasis there. You eat of that tree, you die. We eat of that tree. We partake of the things that Satan offers us and we die. That's how it is. Because, no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. He makes this so appealing that we just say, okay. Also in 2 Corinthians 4, four, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is, in, who is the image of God, should shine on them. He blinds us. Blinds us with the things of this world so that we don't serve God. It's amazing if you just think about it. What's his motive? To harm God. Hurt God. And take us from God. In 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. His name means adversary. And he's out to get us. We see in Luke 22, 3 that Satan entered Judas, surnamed Judas, or su- surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. Satan entered Judas. And I've, again, shared this with you before. When I think of that, Judas betraying Jesus, Judas having at least some measure of the Holy Spirit and had cast out demons and had preached and had healed people of illnesses that were not able to be cured, but yet Satan is able to enter him and twist him and he, he betrayed Jesus. He can do it to Judas. Who had some miraculous gift. He can do it to me. Luke 22.31 And the Lord said Simon. Simon indeed Satan has asked for you. That he may sift you as wheat. Satan wants John. Simon or Peter. And he wants me. He wants you. He wants us all. In Acts chapter 5 verse 3. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Why has Satan filled your heart? That's what he does. So we have to be careful. That's thus this lesson. To be careful about the influence of the adversary. One who wants to deceive the whole world. And who does. But we also have Jesus in 1 John 3, 5, and you know that he was manifested to take, to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. So he was made known to us. He was brought here, sent here, lived here, and died to take away our sins. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, Inasmuch then as the children have, uh, children have partaken of flesh and blood, He himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. That Jesus partook, or he lived in flesh and blood, not his normal abode, habitation. But he lived as we do. Shared the same kind of things that we do to deliver us and to destroy the power of the devil. And in Acts 26 verse 18. Peter, or, or Paul is before King Agrippa. And he's defending. Giving his story. And he says he, what his purpose is. Was to, Jesus told him was to open their eyes. In order to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Turn us from darkness of light and from the power of Satan so that we can be forgiven and we can get the inheritance, receive an inheritance that we're promised. Another thing, I won't dwell on it really, would be consequences of sin. Man and woman have them in the garden and we have them. We all have the consequences of not living right, of not living the way God wants us to. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 1 and 2 says that sin separates us from God. So much in fact that he will not hear us. That if we pray, he just won't hear. Romans... Chapter 6, verse 23 tells us the wages of sin is death. But we have the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And Romans three twenty-three tells us we've all sinned. And we've fallen short of his glory. So the blame game won't work. The woman you gave me, she gave it to me and I ate. The serpent gave it to me and he deceived me and I ate. There used to be a TV program on. You young folks won't know anything about this. But Flip Wilson had a show, and he had a character he portrayed as a woman named Josephine, I think it was. Geraldine, Geraldine maybe. And one of the things was, the devil made me do it. That's not true. That is not true. But each, in James 1.14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. When we're drawn away by what looks good, what sounds good, we're enticed. We're enticed. That word desire means lusts. We want to do it. When we give in, we want to do it. I just got weak. I don't believe he's going to accept that as an excuse at the end. First Peter 1 Peter six. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We, we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. In other words, we live a sinful life. Then we're not telling, being truthful. We're deceiving ourselves. And we're not practicing the truth. Old Geraldine said the devil made me do it. Not good enough. He's at work. But I sin because I want to sin. Basically that's it. But we have a remedy. And it's the cross. That through his death. He can take away all of our sins. Everything I've done wrong can be forgiven. Think about it. If you need to respond to the gospel. Or have a. prayers of the saints, if you're already a Christian, why don't you come now while we stand and while we sing.